Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Today, I will be talking all about how to make investing less scary. So investing is one of the surest ways to increase your money and grow your wealth. And the benefits really come from allowing your money to compound and to grow. Unfortunately, though, what I often encounter when I meet with people to discuss their finances um, is the hesitation to invest. First, I just wanted to address the risks of doing nothing when it comes to your money. So having the savings part down is great, but if you're essentially letting it just accumulate and not doing anything with the cash, it's really the equivalent of sort of hiding it or socking it away under your mattress, which isn't really serving you. And a do-nothing approach can actually be harming your money as the value will start to actually erode due to inflation. So think of inflation as the inevitable rise in prices that we constantly witness over the years. So my mom always used to tell me when I was a kid, she would say that, well, when she was young, she was able to buy a chocolate bar and a pop with just 25 cents. And, you know, frankly, that's laughable now because we can't really buy anything with 25 cents other than maybe like when a a gumball or that candy from one of those machines, which I know because Ivy is always asking for those things when she sees them. So, but really, you know, it's nothing, it's garbage. We we can't really get anything with 25 cents. And and that really just shows us though, that's that's that inflation in action. So inflation is average um, about 2% per year, maybe just over. And if you allow your savings to just sit there without earning any kind of return on it, then you're essentially at a loss each year because you're trailing below that annual inflation rate. So just to maintain the purchasing power of your money, you would have to grow it by the rate of inflation each year at least. Again, that's just to maintain its purchasing power. So I want to talk about a compounding growth example. Um, So usually, you know, I do presentations and it's quite visual and I like to sort of actually show it to people, but hopefully I can still kind of get it across um, just yelling or shouting out the numbers to you. So Let's say you have $100,000 and you do nothing. Well, in 10 years time, you have $100,000 because you did nothing. 20 years time, guess what? You still have that $100,000. 30 years time, same thing. Still have $100,000. And then of course, in that example, you know, $100,000 doing nothing in 30 years is still $100,000, but it's actually even worth less or it's gonna have less purchasing power due to inflation. Okay, so now let's talk about having it actually compound and grow by investing it. So if instead you have $100,000 growing at an 8% annual return, after 10 years, your $100,000 has grown into about $215,000. After 20 years, it's grown to about $466,000. And after 30 years, you've grown it to over a million dollars. So that 
is the magic of compounding. And comparing those two examples is so important because the do nothing approach, again, you stuck with your 100,000 and over that same time frame, or um, if someone was actually investing it and having it grow, 30 years later, it's become a, over a million dollars. So by doing nothing, you essentially lost out an opportunity cost, so not engaging in this, not investing, you lost out on $900,000. That's huge. That's a big difference, okay? So hopefully that's kind of now setting in your head the, the importance of investing. Although it may be scary, we'll get to that, but the importance of why we have to invest. So Investing sets out to maintain and even grow your purchasing power. By investing, you're expecting a profit through growth and appreciation and value of your money. So that sounds great, right? We love it. But here lies the problem. So although investing is the surest way to build your wealth, many people delay and avoid investing. And I think one of the main reasons for this that I believe it it has to do with some of our fears around investing. So I think Overall, there is a lot of fear around investing. And, you know, what are some of those fears? Well, ones that I often come across or have seen are um, fear of the unknown. So that would be especially if it's new to you and you don't feel equipped with the knowledge. Um, oftentimes you're learning these concepts for the first time when it comes to investing in your adult years. So it's not something maybe you learned along the way in your um, high school education, maybe even your university education. So this is all very new and that's completely okay. But as adults, I think sometimes we get very hung up on, you know, n- not being open to learning or we there's this expectation where we think we're supposed to know everything and know how to do it all. But um, if you haven't learned it along the way, especially with investing, you know, this this is going to be new. So by all means, if there is this fear because it's new, it's unknown, completely okay. Um, I'd strongly suggest just being patient um, and be committed to growing that financial literacy. But we can, I'm going to get into that later a little bit more. Um, another fear is this fear of doing it wrong or making a mistake. And, you know, there might, you might be thinking there's a lot on the line and, or you literally cannot afford to make an error because if there's, you know, doing it wrong or making a mistake when it comes to your money, the fear really is, well, I will, I could lose my money. Um, So there's a lot of pressure there, right? That's a lot of putting a lot of pressure on yourself if that's what's going through your head. Um, It could be fears that have been passed on to us from others. So unfortunately, there's probably a lot of fears you have about money or you could have about money that aren't even yours, that were maybe, you know, taken on from stories you heard from your parents or things you witnessed growing up, um, from friends, um, or just investing horror stories that other people have told you. So these, you know, ideas of, or, um, stories of people losing money on a poor investment and things like that. And, and that's really sat with you and created a fear in your mind of it. So it maybe didn't even happen to you, but there's still that fear that was passed on because it happened to someone else. Um, fear of missing out. So this is one I see more and more lately, and it's um, maybe having the opposite effect. So it's maybe the fear of missing out is not necessarily stopping people from investing, but potentially is making people very eager and and kind of doing investing in more of a gambling sense. Um, so that's something I'm going to talk about again a little bit later. But 
it's just the idea of this fear of missing out if then, you know, it's making you want to just act and act quickly. Well, you know, that could sort of be working against you as well. So it's important to acknowledge that acting out of fear does not serve you. Um, and having a, you know, not doing anything or doing fear of doing the wrong things, of course, that's, that's definitely, you know, not serving you. It's not getting you towards those goals you have. It's not increasing your wealth. It's not um, making sure that you're engaging in this compounding growth that that example um, actually illustrated on how much your money can grow and compound when it is invested. So can we move from a place of fear to curiosity, to courage, to trust when it comes to investing? Um, I'm hoping I can get you there in this podcast. I'm very hopeful um, because ultimately I want to see people in a place of feeling positive and stress-free and inspired when it comes to their financial lives. So let's talk about then ways that you can make investing less scary. So, you know, if this is my goal for me that I want you to feel this this trust, this positivity, um, that you feel good about investing, that you are, you know, eager to to just get started um, or be invested and get moving towards that, then, you know, that's the goal. Um, but I think we should first kind of break it down and then talk about some of the ways you can make investing less scary. So if you're still not completely sold, again, completely okay, because I haven't gotten to the reasons yet or the ways to make it less scary. So let's talk about that now. So number one to make investing less scary is making sure you pay off all your high interest debt first. So high interest debt or what we like to call oftentimes um, bad debt, I I classify it myself as debt that carries um, a double digit interest rate. So that's thinking something like 10% or plus of interest. That would be this high interest debt. Um, We love compound interest when it's working for us. Again, I gave that example. It's amazing. Of course, you want to see your money grow. But remember, compound interest is just as powerful when it's working against you and not in a good way powerful, right? It's going to increase the amount you're actually going to end up paying and make it take a lot longer to fully pay off. So that's what compound interest working against you can do. So if you hold a balance on your credit card, for instance, and that's maybe about 18% plus in interest, that equates to paying potentially a lot of extra interest, depending on how long you're paying it. And I'm not saying that you can't use a credit card, but I just want you to ensure that you're not spending more than you can afford to pay off each month. So there are benefits to having a credit card, and that's you know, getting your points on purchases, um, building your credit score. And sometimes it even offers a bit better protection against theft versus, you know, if you lose um, a debit card and someone finds it, they can often, you know, be tapping away for a while before it's the bank sort of sees it or they hit the limit for the day versus on a credit card. Oftentimes if it is stolen and there's transactions that weren't yours that you can have the credit card company investigate and and Um, reverse those charges on your account. So, you know, I'm not saying anything against having a credit card, but again, it's really about holding that balance because if you hold the balance, the compound interest is going to work against you. And, you know, the reason I say making investing less scary by paying off high interest at first is because if you don't 
and instead you choose to carry the balance and invest at the same time. So you have the balance on your credit card, you're paying 18% interest, but you're also wanting to do some investing in the stock markets. Well, to make investing worthwhile um, and you know, make it sort of the math makes sense on investing while still holding that balance on your credit card, it means that you'd have to have a return of over 18% investing, right? You need to basically outperform the interest on the credit card balance. Um, and investing with a goal to earn that 20% plus really isn't an easy task. Um, you'd have to engage in some pretty high risk strategies to have that as your aim for a consistent return. So that's not going to make investing less scary, right? That's going to put you in a stressful position where you're constantly monitoring, watching, and trying to take on some pretty high risk strategies to try to outperform that high interest debt that you're still carrying. So again, High interest debt, and I'm talking about high interest debt specifically because we also like to differentiate differentiate between good debt and bad debt. So if you have debt with a lower interest rate, such as your mortgage, it might still make sense to be investing without having paid it off in full when it's good debt, right? Because if we're talking about something like a mortgage and you're paying 2% or so on your mortgage, well, you likely can comfortably invest and outperform that 2%, right? That's a little, that's reasonable. That's quite a realistic um, and achievable goal. But again, when it goes back to that bad debt, debt having 18% or higher, that's going to be really hard to get. So we can make investing less scary by committing to first paying off that high interest debt. So it's not that you're trying to, um, you know, outperform on one side to justify holding that balance. Another way to make investing less scary is have an emergency fund in place or be building one. So investing is a lot less scary when you remove some of the pressure. Again, we talked about the pressure of having to outperform your interest rate. Well, same as with this, you know, the pressure of thinking, well, what if I need this money? What if I need it by tomorrow or next week? So we can remove some of that time pressure if um, you are investing, but you do have like an emergency fund already in place, or you're building one. Because if you're investing, but you could need that money tomorrow or next week, if an unplanned expense comes up, then investing is going to be scary. Because if your account fluctuates, let's say you started with a $5,000 balance, it's invested, and it went down to $4,500, but an unplanned expense came up and it was actually, you know, $5,000. And you're like, oh man, like if I wouldn't have invested that, I would have still had my $5,000. Like I'm actually worse off because I had to pull that money. I needed it. I couldn't put it on hold. Um, so that's why if, you know, on the other hand, if you have this nice cushion set up as your emergency um, or rainy day fund, in case something does come up, you can access that right away. And you don't have to think of your investments as you potentially need to access them or pull on them, you know, tomorrow or next week. Because again, there's a lot of pressure in that if the markets fluctuate um, and next week is when something comes up and you need it, it might work against you, right? So having yourself covered if anything comes up in the near term is a strategy I highly recommend. So having that emergency fund in place, it means 
not having to watch that day-to-day fluctuations and really be nervous and scared to see that balance go down. You can have some movement and be okay with the ups and downs in the market because it's not going to have a major impact on your short-term needs. You have your short-term needs covered already. So before you invest, make sure you have that emergency or your rainy day account in place fully or be working to build that up. And again, you know, amounts for that can vary. And I talk about this in, I think, past episodes as well. I can't remember which episode exactly now, now that I'm thinking about it. But um, generally, it's about that, you know, three to six months worth of expenses. That's a a good rule of thumb. Again, though, it's going to depend on the person. So another way to make investing less frightening, what else can we do? Get clear on your intentions. So when it comes to investing or, you know, stock markets, get clear on are you investing or are you gambling? And this really relates to that FOMO, fear of missing out on the stock markets that I mentioned earlier. So with some of the recent investment popularity, it's important um, to differentiate between investing and gambling. So there's been a lot of, you know, news in the markets, um, investment forums where people are talking about certain investments that have gained a lot of attention and then a lot of people, you know, quickly invest and we see massive daily price fluctuations in these stocks. So let's get, you know, back to the basics. And remember, investing is about looking at the fundamentals. And it's, a, you know, when we're investing in something, you really want to be justifying what you're putting your money in. So it's something that you think is a valuable investment. It's something you think is going to pay off. Think of it as like a a Warren Buffett style investing, right? When we think of Warren Buffett, we think of this buy and hold strategy. He talks about buying companies that you would want to be invested in for years and decades. So that's what investing would be. Think of it as like a bank when banks are deciding if they're loaning money to a person and there's this list of criteria. And if you don't meet that criteria, the bank's not going to give you the money. They're not going to loan it to you because they're not going to take a gamble, right? Banks want to have you, banks want you to pay them back. When banks loan money, they don't loan it with the thought of like, meh, there's, you know, there's a good chance we're not going to get it back. No, they, they have a criteria that they set out and you have to meet all the criteria before they're willing to loan you the money. If they're going to take a big risk, they're going to attach, you know, a much higher interest rate to that. If at all, they're going to give that money to you. So the same is true, you know, with making an investment in a company. Think about it as I want to know this company is going to pay me back. I want to know this company is not going to go out of business. That's what investing is Um, and not necessarily what gambling is, right? So if you're investing in a company, that's a failing business, it's losing market share, it has no proven track record of making profit, etc. then, you know, it's really important to have clear intentions. Is this just a really high risk long shot that you're looking to take? Maybe you, you got a stock tip from a friend or something like that. And, you know, if that's the case, first just acknowledge. So it's just getting clear on the at- intentions and then acknowledging it, saying, okay, this is a gamble. This is just a a high risk one. It's a long shot. I want to give it a try. But really acknowledge then that it's gambling. And if you're doing that, make sure you're setting very strict limits on what you're willing to wager or bet because that's what a gamble is, right? A gamble is that you're putting the money, you know, onto this wager or bet and and knowing and, and accepting and understanding that you could lose it all. 
And if I say that when it comes to a, a you know, stock or investment or opportunity, if I say, are you willing to risk your entire investment? And the answer is no, then, you know, clearly you're not in the mood for gambling and that's not something you want to be doing, right? And then maybe it is more so investing you're looking for, but then make sure you're looking at the right type of investments that meet that criteria. So if you're not comfortable with losing the entire amount, then it sounds more so like you're looking to invest. And then it's choosing wisely, right? Making sure it passes that investment criteria. Um, If you are honestly willing to be okay with the gamble, have that strict budget on what you're willing to wager or bet and stick to it, right? Don't decide that, okay, you know, I'm this is a long shot, but I'm going to put my entire retirement savings in it and I might double it because the the opposite or the, you know, other side to that of course is well you also might lose it all. So that's not a position you want to be in. So again, Get clear with your intentions because that's going to make investing less scary. Um, Another way to make investing less scary, make sure you diversify. So as investment professionals, we always talk about don't put your eggs all, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Man, I'm having trouble talking. (laughs) Um, Be diversified. So, and again, it's not, diversification is not going to give you a guarantee against any loss, but it helps to minimize some of your risk and reduce some of the volatility. So if you just hold, for instance, two stocks in your investment account, and then tomorrow, the one company, one of your two companies comes out and they have terrible news, they're doing massive layoffs, they, you know, are going to have to shut down locations, things like that. Well, that stock's likely going to go down a lot in value and that would have a major impact on your account value if you hold two stocks and that's one of them and if that represents 50% of the account or something like that if it goes down a lot it's going to really impact things versus if that was one stock of 30 stocks in your portfolio and it represented like a couple percent if it goes down by 20% or 50% in a day it's going to, you know, you're going to see less of a overall impact on your portfolio. So that's what diversification is. So it's, it's making sure we're not putting all our eggs in one basket. Um, how you can diversify is by country. So for instance, if you live in Canada um, or, you know, wherever you live, think about your investments so that they can be well diversified internationally. So you can have Canadian investments, U.S. investments, international investments. You can diversify by the type of investment. So having some stocks and having maybe some fixed income or GIC to be this very lower risk piece of your portfolio that doesn't move the same as stocks would. Um, The number of investments you have in your portfolio. So again, if you only have two investments versus 30 or 50 or more, that's going to have a big difference Um, as well as the sector. So You're not diversified if, let's say, your whole portfolio is made up of just financial companies, because obviously if the financial companies have, you know, take a hit or have some sort of bad news or, you know, the economy moves in a certain way and they all move together, then your whole portfolio is going to move that way. So having diversification across sectors, having some exposure to different types of businesses, right? Think like technology, um, healthcare, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, um, you know, all those different types of businesses. 
Um, and keep this one really in mind too with company stock. So if you work for a company that's offering you stock options along the way, that's fabulous. Um, but keep in mind that those are going to start to really accumulate. And if you don't do anything about that and you don't sell any along the way, your portfolio is going to start really having a large allocation to that specific stock, for instance. So do have a plan in place to diversify. If you're um, participating, again, it's great because there's oftentimes matching and, you know, you're getting some free stocks, like free matching along the way. That's fabulous. But then have a plan on how you're going to sell some to scale back that position if it starts to grow to be a large piece of your overall portfolio. Um, and another way to diversify is just buying ETFs, so exchange traded funds and mutual funds. They will help a lot to diversify because they're all representative of a blend or a basket of holdings, those types of investments. Um, okay, so another way to make investing less scary. Um, know your time horizon and invest accordingly. So if you invest appropriately for your time frame, then investing should actually not be scary at all. It's important to get very specific on your time frame, and you're likely going to have a few time frames. And so you want to get specific on what those are for your different goals and invest accordingly for each. So let's say you're looking to buy a home within the year and you're saving for the down payment. That's a very short term time frame something within the year or within a couple years. And it's very specific. You want this down payment on your home. So you can't really afford the fluctuation, right? And the volatility. You need it soon. And therefore, you don't want to take risks. So it's likely that for something like this, you just want to have it as, um, you know, cash in something like maybe a earning a higher interest, something like a high interest savings. But probably you want to stick to something that's no risk. And then, of course, on the opposite side of that spectrum is, well, let's say, you know, another part of your goal is, well, you're in your 30s right now and you're also putting away money for your financial freedom or your retirement goal. Well, that could be 20, 25 years plus away. So that's a very long term time horizon. So on that portion, you can really take on more growthy type of investment options because you literally don't plan on touching that money for decades, right? You have decades before you're even going to need any of that money. So you don't want to be too conservative now with those types of invest, that portion of your um, goal. So that time horizon, that long time horizon you have, you want to shoot for those higher returns because right now is when you can afford to. You have so much time still for it to build and grow that you can do that now while you're young. And then of course, as you get older and get closer, you're going to want to scale back on some of that risk. So there's sort of two sides to it. It's not investing too risky for the shorter term goals, like we talked about with the house down payment, but also not investing too conservatively for the longer term goals, the ones that you have a lot more time and there can be some ups and downs in the market because you have so long you can handle that and what we see is when we look at the markets when we keep kind of going back and looking at you know further further view and seeing um, more historical data from the markets the return numbers look much better like it's an upward sloping line there's ups and downs and there have been of course there's market events that happen 
that there's a pullback and, you know, there's things like the financial crisis, there's what the markets went through with COVID. But that being said, still, if we go back and look at the charts from further away, longer time frame, they've still always moved in an upward direction. So just get very specific on your timeframes and invest accordingly to those and investing won't be scary. Um, Another way to make it less scary is to invest periodically on an ongoing basis. And this is what we refer to as dollar cost averaging. So it just means adding to your investments on an ongoing basis. And I believe that this is one of the absolute best things that people can do when it comes to investing. So because it means that, you know, you're adding money on a recurring basis. So that's great. Like, you know, there's one check for that because it's it's that idea of paying yourself first, adding to your, your um, investments on an ongoing basis. But it also means you're not trying to time the markets when you're investing on an ongoing basis. You're just saying, for instance, okay, let's say you get paid on the 1st and the 15th of the month and you add $300 each pay period. Um, so you're adding that money on the 1st and the 15th, but as you're adding it in, you're buying more to your, of your investments each time. So you're investing that money each time. So on the 1st and the 15th, you're just adding money into the markets and, you know, the markets can be doing their thing. So that's sometimes they're going up, sometimes they're trending downward, whatever it is. Again, you're just buying automatically on those dates because that's when you get paid. That's when you have a portion going in. And by the end of the year and after a couple years, what you see is, you know, a lot more smooth, like smoothed out returns and less volatility because, again, markets are sort of, you know, trending, going up, they're going down. You're just buying little bits along the way, whether they're up or down. You're not trying to time the market. You just continue to add. Sometimes you're going to maybe be paying a little bit higher for it. Sometimes you're going to be buying it on sale. But as it's all in and averages out, you know, you can probably, you know, smooth out some of that. So that should make investing less scary as well. Because again, it's taking out some of that pressure too of thinking, I have to invest when the markets are down. I can't be investing when the markets are up. Well, if you're just investing ongoing for years and years, you're going to do a little bit of both. Um, But again, we come backward and we look at the charts and they're still upward sloping. So you should still see good return numbers. Investing shouldn't be so scary if you're investing this way on an ongoing basis. And lastly, so my final tip to make investing less scary is about committing to growing your, commit to growing your knowledge. So as I've already mentioned, a big part of the fear is just based on investing being a new concept and not something you're comfortable with. And that's completely okay. But what's going to help is spending some time on your financial literacy. As you start to learn and understand investing more, it's going to become less scary because it's it's less of this unknown, you know, black box sort of topic. It's you start to get it. It starts to make sense. And it's it's not as scary when it makes sense, right? So But keep in mind, it's going to take some time and you're going to have to be patient with yourself. So I highly suggest when it comes to committing to growing that knowledge, don't give up. Think of it as an ongoing journey and start by just committing to, you know, doing one thing at a time, taking one step. What is that one step you can do to grow your knowledge? Maybe it's just reading one article per week, one finance money related article per week. Maybe it's reading, committing to reading a personal finance book this year. So in 2021, 
for sure. On your list of books you're going to read, there's going to be one personal finance book. Listen to a podcast. There's so many good podcasts. You're listening to one right now. Look at that. Check. You've already done this one. <laughs> um, talk about it with people. So I don't think we talk about money and investing in these concepts enough. So talk about it with people. And of course, you know, it can be people that you feel comfortable having the conversation and that you trust, but do talk about it because we can learn from each other. We can ask each other questions and there's so much value to building knowledge from what we can gain from each other too. So that's all. There you have it. Those are my tips on how we can make investing less scary. Um, again, it truly, investing does not have to be scary. It doesn't, not at all. You know, some of those fears that we went through at the beginning, they're not really, you know, real or justified. Or when we get down to them, we go, oh, okay, you know, maybe it was fear of a story I heard with someone else. Well, how can I protect myself from that? You know, I can, I can just commit to the knowledge part. I can commit to asking questions and that would really, you know, protect me. And that, you know, then, okay, now that fear has sort of been eliminated, right? So that's how we can really make investing less scary. It doesn't have to be by any means. Um, and it is an important piece of growing your wealth. So whatever it takes, I say, you know, do it, invest the time, the energy, because it's, and a very important step and a very important investment in yourself, of course. So that's everything for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you next time. All right, bye. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I wanna pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.